This is In the Trenches, Broadcast 4. Welcome to In the Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Welcome, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. Today's guest is Jeff Goins. Now, this interview was actually recorded in December of 2012. However, that was before I had this podcast up and running, so I felt it necessary to remaster this original content and put it into this podcast so that all of the In the Trenches listeners can have access to it. This content, I think, is incredible, and I don't want you to miss it. So, I hope you enjoy, and we'll get right into it. Jeff is a blogger, speaker, published author, and most importantly, a writer. His blog, GoinsWriter.com, is all about that same subject, writing. His blog focuses on some essential questions like, how do successful writers make a living? And what does it really take to get published? And Jeff doesn't pull any punches with his website. It really is an incredible resource for aspiring writers and artists alike. Jeff started his blog in 2010 and has had some incredible and well-deserved success, growing his readership to over 100,000 people a month in less than two years. Jeff has been featured in Relevant Magazine as well as ZenHabits.net, among many, many other publications. You can find his most recent book, Wrecked, When a Broken World Slams into Your Comfortable Life, online at Amazon.com and in bookstores just about everywhere. So Jeff, thank you so much for being here with us today, and I'd like to start by finding out a little bit more about you, your background, and how you got started writing. Yeah, sounds great. So uh, I've, I've written my whole life, but um, you know, up until recently, didn't really consider myself a writer. I would call myself somebody who wrote, or you know, uh, I would call it a hobby or something, but I, I was really uncomfortable with calling myself a writer. And I think the reason for that was because there was a certain amount of responsibility and expectation associated with that. You know, if I called myself a writer, then I'd have to start acting like it. And that really uh, intimidated me. So, um, you know, I uh, uh, was uh, maybe a couple of years ago was talking to a friend and he asked me what my dream was. And this had been coming up pretty, you know, regularly. Like I'd gone to a conference and that was sort of the focus of the conference. And several people over the course of a couple of months had asked me what my dream was. And so it was really interesting how this kept coming up over and over again. And so this friend asked me what my dream was. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't really have a dream. I think that's kids stuff. And he said, oh, well, that's, uh, that's too bad because I would have thought that your dream was to be a writer. When he said that, you know, something really struck me, you know, uh, I was convicted and uh, immediately struck with this uh, emotion that resonated in my soul that, yeah, this was, this was right. And so I said, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, I guess that, you know, I'd like to be a writer someday. And he just shook his head and he said, well, Jeff, you don't have to want to be a writer. You are a writer. You just need to write. And so the next day I started writing, you know, got up at 5 a.m. and just started writing. And I did this consistently uh, every day for about a year. And um, at the beginning of that year, I started a blog. I started the blog that you mentioned. I'd 
I've been blogging, you know, in different places on the web for a while, but had done it pretty inconsistently and not with a lot of commitment. And uh, I just decided to do it differently this time. And uh, over the course of a year, grew a, a fairly large audience in a short amount of time. And I um, uh, I got a book publishing deal that that year, and uh, a lot of other cool things happened. That's awesome. Uh, I'm just super impressed. I think anybody listening will feel the same way. Super impressed by how quickly you were able to build um, such a, a large following and get published. But, and tell me what you think of this. I, I would say that it's not that it kind of was, it wasn't random and it wasn't actually that quick. I'm guessing that you had been improving your writing skills for years and years and years. And so it wasn't just an overnight success, or was it? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the back story is, um, you know, I spent five years writing and anonymity and, and failing, uh, uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways until I was able to have this really great year where seemingly, seemingly a lot of things just suddenly happened. And even that year was full of a lot of uh, hustle. You know, I was working a day job. And so I was getting up early. You know, I didn't have time to write. I was working, you know, a job. I was married. Um, my wife and I just uh, had a our first son, you know, first baby, and uh, our son's seven months old now, and so our life was getting busier. Congratulations! You know? Yeah, thanks. Um, our life has been getting busier. You know, it's not been slowing down; it's been filling up. And so, when I felt this call to write, uh, it wasn't—I didn't have room in my life to do it, and so I had to make room. And the best way that I could make room was by creating a, a schedule block that did not exist in, in my, you know, daily routine. And, you know, uh, that was from 5 to 7 a.m., which I was normally spending sleeping. So, but I realized that I could go to bed, you know, an hour earlier than I normally did and wake up uh, two hours earlier and, and still get, you know, a decent amount of sleep. And I had this block of time where nobody was nobody was really expecting anything from me at 5 a.m. My wife wasn't awake yet. My boss wasn't awake yet, or at least I wasn't getting emails from him anyway. And so I had some time to write. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I spent... A lot of time practicing and and failing, uh, and then before I launched the blog, and then when I launched the blog, I mean, I wrote uh, almost every day. You know, on that on that blog, yeah. I wrote over three hundred posts in a year, and um, uh, you know, and 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 I I wrote a hundred different articles for other websites in addition to those three hundred posts um, to try to get my name out there. So it was. It was a lot of work, and I built, you know, I started the blog with the expectation that it would take me years to, you know, right. do anything substantial, and and so I was prepared for that. I was prepared to put in a couple years of work before I saw any sort of return on the investment of time I was I was putting into it. That's incredible. It says a lot about um, not only your commitment, definitely about your commitment, and your character, but uh, what it takes, I think, to be successful at anything. Um, I think when you come in at come at it with that mindset that uh, this is you know a long term thing that you're committed to it that that commitment again kind of keeps popping up I think that's so important um, and it kind of leads into this next question so you mentioned um, that you you wrote a hundred or a hundred I'm guessing guest posts but I'll I'll let you explain that but three over three hundred you wrote every day for a whole year so over three hundred posts for your own blog plus another hundred elsewhere. So my question is, how did you build your blog so fast and so effectively that you were able to get so many subscribers? I know there's no simple answer to that, but I'd like to just hear whatever you have to say about it. Yeah, well, you know, I think a lot of people waste time and expend energy energy in, in this area in, in ways that, that don't get them the results that they want. And, you know, so I one of the things that's 
notable about my community and, and also yours, Tom, is uh, I attract a lot of writers uh, that mm-hmm. whatever they're doing isn't working, and 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 I hear this consistently. I'm trying. I've been doing this, and it hasn't worked. And typically, what they've been doing is they're writing and they're publishing on their blog every day, and you know they're they're writing pretty good content, uh, and and they're just not seeing any sort of results. But when you really get down to it. Um, uh, there's a couple of things that you know myths that they're believing. One is is what was true about the internet a, a decade ago, or even you know six or seven years ago, is not true about the internet now. If you're trying to build an online audience, which is this that you know used to be able you know uh, when Seth Godin started blogging, you know when some of the, you know when Chris Brogan started blogging, when these people who sort of yep. um, paved the way for the blogosphere when they started, basically all you had to do was have a blog and not quit, and right. you were remarkable. You know, you were, yeah. you were weird, and people would read your blog. I mean, that was the basic formula: was get a blog, write on it every day, just keep showing up, and eventually people will pay attention to you. And unfortunately, that's not true anymore because there's so much competition. There's so many blogs out there. A lot of people are applying this formula. They're showing up every day. They're creating pretty good content, uh, and um, and there's just so much noise that that there's there's too many blogs. There's too much. Uh, too many people talking that you, we can't pay attention to all of it. So what do you what do you need to do? I think you have to go above and beyond. And so I was showing up every day, but I was doing something that I'd never done before. Tom, I was writing content that would take me an hour or two to write, sometimes three hours to write. Um, yes. And I was publishing it on my blog for free. I was writing content that uh, I should have been getting paid for. You know, I was writing uh, five hundred to a thousand word articles five days a week. And giving them away for free on my blog, uh, consistently, and I'd never done that before. I'd I'd gotten up and you know thrown together a twenty-minute blog post based on whatever I thought about when I was brushing my teeth in the morning, but I never sat down and written an article and and shared it for free with no expectation of compensation. So you know I think that when we're honest about the stuff that we're creating. You know, we're really creating like B plus content. You know, like pretty good, better than average, um, but not our very best work. And when I started creating my best work and being generous with it, I I saw that people paid attention to that. So I mean, that was that was the first thing I did was there's no B content on my blog. There's, I mean, maybe it's somebody else's B content, but it's my best stuff. It's my A content. Uh, right. And uh, and then I started doing that same thing for other people. I started giving away. Not repurposing old blog posts, uh, but giving away what I thought were really great contributions to other communities, other blogs that had larger audiences than I did. And I found that when I did that, um, you know, people would link back to me, and, and those people would read that content, and they'd come back to my blog, and they'd find other great content, and they'd want to subscribe. And so, um, when I talk to people who say, oh, "I'm I'm doing everything I can," we go and look at their blog and talk about their content, and I ask them, "Are you creating the very best stuff you could possibly create?" They say, well, you know, no, I'm I'm throwing together what I can. And so it's consistency is important. Frequency is important. Getting your name out there is important. But for me, it all comes down to creating your very best work. And if you can do that, then it's just a matter of being in the right place at the right time, writing a guest post for pro blogger, copy blogger, meeting somebody at a conference. Right. Building those relationships is not the hard part. I think the hard part is having something to say and saying in a way that um, that is going to earn people's attention. Incredible. I loved everything you just said. It's uh, uh, mind-blowing. It's funny you mentioned the time you spent putting into it and um, 
yeah, I'd say, and part of it might be like, I, I put a lot into the uh, the look, uh, just how the words look. I'm I'm all about presentation and, and not only the sound and you know I mean what you're used to when when you write. So not only the quality of the content, what's actually in there, but then the form it takes on paper or in this case on the screen is really important to me. So I spend so much time tweaking that to make it perfect for me. And I I'm I'm if I don't stop myself, I'll go uh, sometimes for a 500 word post I'll spend uh, three or four hours on it so I need to well on the one hand I need definitely need to improve but I know I, I'm definitely giving my best so it's always a comforting thought to know that that will be I, I believe if I continue to do that it'll pay off in the future yeah I, I do the same thing Tom you know uh, there's a reason why people call you know you don't hear this very often but people call blogging publishing it, it, it literally is publishing and when you think about you know, when I write a manuscript and send it to my publisher, and you know, you mentioned React, I wrote that on, you know, as a Word document. I sent it to my publisher, and then they, they designed it. You mm-hmm. know, they designed, right. they typeset it. You know, they designed right. the margins and uh, the paragraph breaks, and and they typeset it, and they aligned it, and they chose the fonts. They made it look good. I just wrote the words. When you're publishing on a blog. You're doing all of that. You're writing, you're editing, and you're publishing. You're not just sharing a Word document with friends. You're actually uh, creating a published work. And so you, you're, you're the writer, editor, and you're, you're the designer. Just by um, changing, you know, uh, using subheads and bold and italics, all of yep. those formatting, those are, those are uh, typographic design elements. Exactly. And, and you're right. I mean, we are all uh, visual people. And and if uh, I see a big chunk of text on an ugly-looking website, it doesn't matter how great the content is, within reason. Um, you know, like if it's not formatted well for for me, I, I'm not going to pay attention to it. And so that that is, to me, it's equally important. You know, somebody that cares about uh, aesthetic excellence, I do the right. same thing. You know, I write it and then I go back and I go, is this friendly to my reader's eyes, or are they going to go, oh, no, I can't even. I, I can't even scan this, you know, and, and for me, it's really important to not assume my reader's attention, but to earn it. And one of the ways that I do that is by making the content easier to read, you know, so that I can actually keep their attention. That's incredible. I totally agree. Um, hundred percent. And it is so much more than just writing and just pushing out there. I, again, coming back to what you mentioned about Seth Godin and those other guys, it was just remarkable just to stick around for a long, long time. But the, the, I guess you could say the, the game has gotten more competitive, and uh, you got to up your own game to uh, to compete or to be somebody that that people want to stick around with and and give their attention to. Um, so yeah, totally. incredible. So I guess that kind of leads into a little bit. Um, you mentioned your book. I'd like to know about. Uh, tell us a little bit about your book. So I, I read it. I'm familiar with it. Um, and I guess I wouldn't have expected the book that I read when I read the title. And that's a good thing because when I read it, I was like, I was definitely blown away. And I also noticed that we. Uh, a lot of our, our content is very similar in, in, in style, and, and you have a lot of the same quotations that, or uh, same people that you quote, G.K. Chesterton, Mother Teresa, some incredible uh, you know, people that you, you mentioned in your book. But I'd like to know about uh, a little bit about what inspired you to write it, about the book itself, and then how you, how you got published. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, maybe I'll answer those out of order. So, sure, that's uh, fine. Uh, so you know, if you're familiar with Seth Godin, you're probably familiar with a website called changethis.com. Uh, yes. a, a website where um, you know authors, communicators, idea slingers can uh, submit 
a proposal for a manifesto. And, and this is a website that uh, Seth Godin helped start and then kind of turned it over to somebody else later on. And, uh, and so this is basically a place where, you know, a lot of business writers, but really anybody who has anything to say, they can, um, they can propose an idea. You can submit a proposal for a, an ebook, a manifesto, and then get all of their friends to vote for it. And if it gets enough votes, then then change this will uh, free online manifesto that can spread. And so, um, uh, so you know, what I've been doing for the past six years is working for a nonprofit. I started as a writer, and then I became the marketing director, and I'm the communications director uh, for that nonprofit. Uh, it's called Adventures and Missions. Uh, we do uh, mission work and and you know poverty relief and development work around the world and um i wanted to write uh i wanted to write a manifesto about this this thing that we had seen in the work that we we'd done and i wanted to share it with a broader audience and the idea was basically this that people don't find their purpose until they learn to give their lives away and that usually takes a paradigm shifting moment and, and i was looking around at the professional world i was looking at the business world i was looking at people like bill gates Mm-hmm. Uh, even the celebrity world, like you know Angelina Jolie and you know Brad Pitt and uh, George Clooney and a number of celebrities, they were all uh, you know I just got a, I got an email from I think Oxfam you know and and there was some uh, some uh, you know actress was 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 uh, uh, was begging me was asking me in an email was appealing uh, for me to to give to Africa you know to to to, to some poverty relief uh, thing you know to relieve hunger. Like you, you just didn't see that a decade ago. It's really interesting how our world has become a lot smaller, how we've become more aware of global issues, and as a result, we've become more socially conscious. And I just, I think that's interesting that you know, one of the richest men in the world is also one of the largest philanthropists. You know, in our culture, if if life is about all everything that I can accumulate, you know, if the American dream, uh, which isn't isn't relegated just to America, it's it's the world's dream is is to uh, get as much stuff. So that I can have the best life possible, then let's look at everybody that has all that stuff and what are they doing with it? Well, they're trying to give away the resources or they're realizing what I have isn't enough. And so maybe the answer isn't more, maybe the answer is less, maybe it's not a accumulation, but and that was a you know, that's kind of a, a countercultural, but at the same time, you know, provocative idea. And so I wanted to share it. So I shared that. Um it 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 won, you know, we, we published it on Change This years ago. And then it just kind of hung out on the internet for a while and didn't really do anything. And um, when I started my blog, uh, I linked to that uh, to that ebook and like on like a resources page or something. And um, when I started to do all these guest posts, my audience started to grow pretty quickly. And yeah. a an acquisitions editor from my publisher found my blog, started reading it, liked my voice. And he was just looking through all of the different pages of my blog, found this resources page with a link to the Change This Manifesto, which was called the Wrecked Manifesto. And he said, hey, have you – he emailed me and said, have you ever considered turning this into a book? And I never have. And so that began the discussion that led to uh, writing this this book, which is – you know, my blog is, is a lot about creativity and writing and, and you know, pursuing your calling as a creative. And this book is about you know, seemingly something – different it's about giving your life away and um it's about some of the things that that are a part of my life but weren't necessarily a part of my you know online persona and i was a little bit nervous about that but um yeah 
but I'm glad that I did it because I think ultimately, I wrote about this in my blog today, I think ultimately we follow writers and authors and communicators not for their subject, not for what they say, but rather how they say it. You, you know, my blog is about uh, writing and, and creativity and, and how you can pursue your calling as a, as a creative. And this was different, you know, and, and so I was really nervous about that because I had believed uh, this popular paradigm online, which is that you like pick one subject and then you just write about it and you become an expert in that. And I had started down that road, but there was something about that that didn't resonate with me. And I think the reason was all of the writers and authors that I read and appreciated didn't stick to one particular subject or even a genre. Maybe they started there, but once they proved themselves, they branch out into new areas. And so, um, you know, I wrote about this in my blog today, but I believe mm -hmm. that great writers can write about anything, any subject, and we will listen to them because what we really want, why we really read them is not uh, for the, you know, what they write about, but how they write it, their perspective, their, their worldview. And so this, you know, Rect is something that I really believe in and I believe, and you can see it in my writing, it's, 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 uh, it's already there, but I don't talk about it explicitly. And it's this basic idea that if you want to find your life, you need to give it away. You know, and if you try to hold on to your life, try to hold on to security and, and stick to the things that are comfortable to you, you're going to lose it. You're going to miss out on, on the best life that you can have. And so that's what the book is about. And, and my blog is, is sort of about that as well, but it's it's in a different way. I mean, that, that worldview is, is there present, but it's sort of, you know, in undertones. And so this was an exercise for me to uh, introduce to my audience the same worldview that I'd been writing under, but with a different right. subject. And I was pleased to see that a lot of people, you know, follow follow the conversation. Yeah, I think that's incredible. Did you ever have uh, Did you have any like um, really negative feedback from it? It seems like most of the feedback was really positive on Amazon. Um, that people, I, I I responded to it very positively. So I just would like to assume everybody's like me. But yeah, well, you know, I mean, there, you're always going to have somebody who just goes, "I don't like this." Sure. And uh, so, yeah, so there were some people, I was nervous that everybody would hate it, you know, or that right. it would like reach a small sliver of people. But because I had built an audience based on trust and permission and they had gotten used to my voice and I was very clear that this is going to be different. This is not a book about writing. I think I had one or two people that were like, you know, really disappointed. And then I had some mm -hmm. people who just, you know, they, it wasn't for them. And, right. and that was fine. Uh, yeah. but no, I mean, there weren't, there weren't like, as I was fearing, there were no droves of people who were, you know, who just totally hated it. And so, yeah, I think it was, it, it felt like a success and it was, you know, one more step in the direction of showing people that, okay, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to own a subject, you know, or monopolize a topic. I'm just trying to introduce to you my voice and that's going to happen gradually. You know, I, I saw an interview with Taylor Swift uh, not too long ago, and she talked about how she's, you know, she just turned 22 maybe, and she said, you know, uh, there is stuff that I want to create, music that I want to share, art that I want to see spread that, you know, that I'm ready ready to do, but it's not for several years, and so I want to be sensitive to where my audience is at and what they're used to, but I've got stuff that I want to share that's way different, and, and so for right now, I'm just, I'm going to be I'm going to be 22. I'm not going to be 30. You know, I'm not going to be 40. She goes, a lot of people are growing up too fast and uh, mm -hmm. I'm just going to, I'm going to be where I'm at. I'm going to keep moving in that direction and, and uh, at the same time, you know, respect my audience. And to me, that was a really good depiction of 
kind of the challenge of being an artist with an audience, you know, is and with a blog or, you know, social media, um, you have like, you have direct connection to your audience. And so that can be really good, but it can also be really scary, you know, when it comes to taking risks. And so I always want to take those, those measured risks. I don't want to, I don't want to stagnate, but I want to do interesting stuff and, right. you know, take a few steps ahead and look behind me and go, okay, audience, He's still there. Like, can we can we move forward? Can we evolve together? And um, so far, that's been been really fun. Yeah, so true. Great, great point. Now, who would have thought that Taylor Swift would have had such a <laughs> great advice to impart? Yeah, but uh, no, that's awesome. Yeah, a lot of work done. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll wrap it up with one one question. I don't know how long it'll take, uh, but it's, you know, take your time with it. And uh, it's what piece of advice do you have for the creative person um in particular pilot like writer um author somebody who wants to write novels or screenplays or, or you know publish books or something like that in that realm in the realm you're in and i'm in um and what would you say to that person um who's just starting out um and who doesn't want to compromise their content or water down their message to try to get sales uh, i guess uh I guess that's my question. If I if I could make it simpler, would be uh, how does an author, or especially a new author, not get discouraged by the the concept of of having to compromise his, his work to get sold? Yeah, you know, Tom, I think that's a great question. Um, I also think it's um, a load of BS. <laughs> okay, uh, another question, but that that paradigm, and so sure. I, I feel like I can speak you know, somewhat educatedly on this because yes. what I've been doing for the past six years, not a super long time, but, you know, not six months, I've been managing creatives. In the past, you know, uh, five or six years, I've been working with a lot of young uh, creatives, probably 20 or 25 people um, that are videographers and musicians and uh, writers and designers and, uh, you know, uh, marketers, uh, people who have message to share but but they're creatives you know they're artists and and right. i was always trying to get them to you know uh market and and there was there was always that conflict of this is my art this is what i feel called to create but i i, I feel you know sleazy about trying to get people to look at it i just want to i just want to create and uh and so you know now i talk to a lot of people who want to you know write novels um and and want to find a way to support themselves but um but they don't want to compromise their art like you're talking about. And I, I, I think that what they're really doing is they're hiding. And, and so what is my advice? Stop hiding. Okay, so what, what I mean by that? I mean the only, only way that you get good, that you get really good, is by creating something and sharing it with the world and getting yes. feedback on it and then, you know, creating something else and making it better and creating something else and making it better. I had a friend uh, who was at a writer's conference recently and he met a, a best-selling novelist, this guy who publishes uh, thrillers uh, with one of the big six publishers. And my friend asked this person, um, uh, when does an author find his voice? And, uh, and my friend in the back of his mind, uh, he, he's, he's an aspiring novelist, but he hasn't written a novel yet. He's a fiction writer, but he hasn't actually published a novel yet. And um, in his mind, he, he thought, I would like to write five great novels in my lifetime. Like, that's all I want to do. Uh, he had a very specific vision. If it takes me 25 years to do that, fine. But this is the contribution that I want to give to the world. 
Mm-hmm. So he asked this, this best-selling novelist who's written 30 books, um, how do you do this? How do you find your voice? And, and the novelist said, well, I didn't find my voice until my sixth or seventh book. So here's my friend who wants to write five books in his lifetime. And here's his best-selling novelist who's telling him, not until you write five crappy novels do you write one <laughs> Do you begin to get into the zone? And so uh, what's my advice? Uh, you know, write something. Stop hiding, uh, you know, uh, by, by saying you're creating something that the world hasn't yet seen. You know, and, and I, I know that this, there's this tension that we all have to live in where, like, we all know those websites and those, those, those books and, 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 and all the bad art out there that's really popular. And we go, I don't want to do that. And so yeah. what we do is we like hide and hang out and keep that novel in our desk drawer or that song on our laptop or whatever. And, and, and we just get really bitter. You know, I, I know what that feels like because I did that for five years. I saw all these bad bloggers out there and I thought I could do better. And, and all the while they uh, were, you know, they were hogging all the attention because um, the truth is I couldn't do better because I wasn't doing better. So who cares if I could do better? They were doing something and I was doing nothing and and so you know i have a friend who's a musician and unlike most musicians uh this person is a millionaire this person is rich and uh but he lives off of a fraction of a fraction of his income and he's very generous and uh he said he said the way i see it is somebody is going to pay for music somebody is going to pay to see concerts and and, and go to these events and I can right. let all of the charlatans and, and, and bad artists out there get compensated for bad art, or I can, I, can, I can get as many of those resources as possible and funnel those towards good causes. I mean, he has this really competitive edge to him where he goes, I, I don't want the bad art to win. I want the good art to win. And in order to do that, you have to care about marketing. You have to care about what it takes to make an idea to spread. Do I care about good art? Absolutely. Do I want to make contributions to the world? Yes. Am I willing to wait until my work is perfect before I'm going to put it out there to compete with all of the other junk out there? No. No, it's more important to me to put something out there so that I can learn from it, so that I can get better, uh, so that I can I can get to excellence faster. And so if, if you're like me and like I was, where you just see all the bad art and you go, oh, gosh, I just want out of this rat race – um, stop hiding because you're not doing your novel isn't doing anybody any good in your dresser drawer I love it That's, couldn't have said it better myself so powerful and so true well Jeff um, thank you so much for uh, talking today in the interview and just uh, getting a portion of your time I know you're super busy you know you mentioned the beginning of the interview how hard it was to start, you know, start out and kind of you had to make your own time. Well, I'm, I'm guessing with some of the stuff you're releasing right now, which will be in the show notes, that uh, uh, it's life hasn't gotten any um, less busy. So thank you. My pleasure, for, Tom. Yeah, thank you. Well, that wraps up In the Trenches broadcast four. If you're interested in checking out the show notes, go to www.tommorquez.com backslash broadcast four. That's the number four. I hope you enjoyed today's broadcast, and I hope it inspires you to continue to fight the creative fight. This is Tom Morcus. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance.
Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.